This night began for us a very long time ago in the remarkable story of the Exodus. Then a great and wonderful God, our God, told the chosen people how to celebrate the most precious of all gifts, the gift of their freedom and the gift of their belonging to God and the gift of a promise that would unfold for generation after generation. The details of the instruction in that wonderful story only serve to underline the deliberateness and the breadth of God's love and promise to them. Centuries later, at another meal where this tradition was and continues to be kept alive, an astonishing thing takes place. The one who said he was from God, who accepted being master and teacher, knelt on the floor of an upper room, adopting the posture of a servant in an ordinary house, and washed the feet of his friends. Tonight, the Christian people have begun a great feast, and we who are gathered here, those in other chapels and churches, and the many who are in the domestic churches of their own homes, are one in a remarkable communion. This is a feast of images and symbols. Things taken from ordinary life and given extraordinary meaning. It is a feast of stories and mystery, a feast of faith and hope, a banquet of indescribable love. It takes us three days to consume and celebrate the riches of the Paschal mystery. There's a very subtle reminder of this in the Missal. Liturgists would know this. Melanie and, and I would take note of it, and many of you may have noticed it. But our liturgies are usually bookended. There's a greeting and there's a dismissal. But the greeting at the beginning of our liturgy this evening doesn't have an ending until the end of the Easter Vigil. There's no dismissal this evening. There's no greeting and there's no dismissal tomorrow on Good Friday. And there's no greeting really at the Easter Vigil. It's like we just stepped away for a while, but we've not finished. And so we come back again and again before we are dismissed and then realize that the dismissal at the end of the Easter Vigil is only the beginning. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing that happens in liturgy. But tonight, we cross the threshold of that feast. Tonight, we embrace the very heart of our faith, faith in a God who will not give up on us. Tonight, we accept with both humility and unbounded joy the love of a Messiah who embarrasses us with gestures of feeding and service. Tonight, we commit ourselves with our whole being to a life centered on a cross, nourished at a table, and poured out for each other. 
those actions are inseparable. We cannot be about one without the others as well. When Jesus gives thanks for the bread that he takes in his hands, he holds out his body, his entire life. And when he breaks it to share among them, he turns the element of bread into the embodiment of a most remarkable presence. And then he shows them and us what that presence looks like. The details of the story are rich. He sits among them as one of them. But then he gets up from table. He rises from his place as to prefigure the resurrection on Easter morning. And he kneels before them. He removes an outer garment to look like a servant. He puts on a towel and takes up a pitcher of water. He is going to work. And it is the work of the Father. He washes feet, those parts of our body that symbolize journey. Agile and tired they may be. Hurting and bruised they often are, with calluses and creases from the journey. They need cleansing and refreshing, massaging, and then to be dried, ready for the rest of the journey. The actions of Jesus are a revelation of his ministry, a ministry that is to continue. I have set you an example, he said, that you should do for others as I have done for you. And the conversation with Peter draws us deeper into this teaching. And Peter's image of the master of God is one of distance, one where God stays where God belongs. And what God does is admired, but not imitated. Jesus doesn't argue with him, but simply states that he, being of God, washes feet. It's what he does. He can't do everything or be everything that Peter wants, but he does what the Father does through him. He washes feet. And if Peter wants that divine life and love to flow through him, then he needs to have his feet washed to accept what God's love looks like so he will know what to do himself. It's not a physical washing, Jesus tells him. It's a spiritual renewal. It's not a personal hygiene, but a communal awareness, a consciousness of service of each other. And that's the inheritance that we too are given this night. Then Jesus returns to the table to sit among them in the posture of the teacher. And he asks, do you know what I have done to you? In that question, in those words, Jesus establishes a simple theology. Eucharist is a verb, not a noun. Eucharist is what we do. This is the true meaning of this night. What we believe in our hearts and profess with our lips tells our bodies to bend forward, to kneel down, 
to reach out with hands to embrace. Not just the feet of another, but the whole being. It's as though we recognize that our feet, our feet, plural, everybody's feet, are parts of our body where God's creation, the earth, holds us and meets us in communion. We share that same earth with all of God's creatures. And so tonight, we learn again the story. We feed again at the banquet of salvation, and we are sent forth with a towel as our tunic, our vestment, and our bodies are shaped for service.